Well, we're really excited about our program today and our topic. Um, well, we, Jim, we're always excited about uh, what the Lord has laid on our hearts that we can share with uh, the folks. And um, But we're, we're extra especially uh, excited about uh, what God is doing in this hour that we're in right now. And um, the revelation that's just enormous amounts of revelation coming forth. And uh, we're just excited what God's doing. And we're here to just share with you what he's doing with us and and whatever he's doing with us he can do with you and um we're all on this journey together well you know rich uh you said that, that god's been pouring out revelation in this hour and that's true sometime back the lord gave me a poem about uh there's a great grace coming upon my church and i never really realized what the lord meant until the last couple of years passed by and started hearing the voice of the Lord like never before. And I thought that verse where Jesus said to Peter, who do people say I am? He said, you know, you're the Christ of God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So he got a revelation, and Jesus said, on that, on this revelation, I'm going to build my church. So if you want to get built up in Christ, you've got to receive revelation like Peter was receiving from Christ. You don't receive revelation simply by listening to certain people, whatever. you got to hear by the voice of the yes. Lord in your spirit, that revelation. Amen. Amen. That still small voice that will speak to you yeah. whenever you yeah. sit quiet and yep. listen. And sometimes you don't even have to sit quiet. He'll speak loudly to you as you're driving down the road or doing whatever yeah we practice if you practice the presence of god he can speak to you anywhere at any time yes you know if you're practicing focusing on him amen well let's get to our topic today and our topic is come out from among them and the oh. side thing to this that we're going to talk about is in the book of revelation jesus says come out of Babylon. So we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to start off with uh, the second um, Corinthians 6, 17. It says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, the Passion Bible says, For indeed, we are the temple of the living God. Just as God has said, I will make my home in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. For this reason, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch nothing that is unclean and I will embrace you. Well, Jim, I looked up that Greek word for unclean. And it means unclean in thought and life. Mm. What was Jesus thinking about come out from among who or what? As long as our thought life and our walking around life is separate from the world, then we have fulfilled that scripture. We have come out from among them. So many people think Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians, don't associate with anybody that doesn't believe the way you believe. And if you take it literally, uh, definitely seems that way. But we're going to show you here today 
what we think that verse is really talking about, and it's, it's incredible, it's exciting. If you are of the mind that we are to never associate ourselves with unbelievers, Jim, you'd have to take Luke 15 out of the Bible. Because you have to, because that would go against the teachings and the actions of Jesus when he was here on this earth. The religious people freaked out. They they criticized him profusely because he didn't he did associate with non-believers. It is clear in Luke 15 that Jesus spent time broke bread with unbelievers and was heavily criticized by the religious leaders. Yeah, amen. That's true. Kind of the same thing happens today. Well, <laughs> when you think about it, <laughs> you know, I would say so. You know, in certain circles, you know, Jim. Yeah, yeah. In certain it's pretty circles, obvious, really. Yeah. And I, yeah, we speak from experience. It isn't as if we were just born again yesterday. You know, we got 30, 40 years in this thing, and I've been through a variety of different fellowships, and uh, it just seems like every fellowship I've been to. Uh, you know, they don't even want you fellowshipping with somebody that believes in something they don't believe in. Uh, you know, to them, you know, they say, come out from amongst them. You know, yeah. well, I found out that when I got amongst some of them that they had a lot more truth than the other one had. <laughs> well, some might be surprised of, of how we're going to kind of unpack this because it's not talking, I mean, if, you know, there's always a natural meaning and a spiritual meaning. Well, you know, let's face it, the Bible is a spiritual book. And right. so you will never be in error if you're speaking it from the divine spiritual inspiration that it was in, written in. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so, you know, let's look at what uh, we think he's talking about. He says, come out from among them. You know, on one hand, we're not to associate with unbelievers. On the other hand, how can we share the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ without associating with unbelievers? Yeah, amen. You can't do it. He is not yeah, saying... Stop and think about Go ahead, Jim. No, I just said stop and think about that. You know, sila. Stop and think about that for a second. Right. He's not saying stay away from unbelievers. He is saying don't allow yourself to take part in that lower life that you've been delivered from. Jesus was around them, but his mission was to have them join in with him, not join in with them. He was taking them to a higher place where they had never been before. He was bidding them to come up here. You know, we've done podcasts on that expression that Jesus said, come up here and come up into a higher realm of life, a realm where, you know, you're not as troubled by all the things that try to trouble us. Um, so, you know, we've got two sides here. It appears that we have a conundrum here, but, but not so. We don't. Would we not all agree that the Bible is a spiritual book, like I said before? Amen. 
would we all agree that it was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? If so, then we should always look for that spiritual meaning and not just take it literally. Yeah, I, I think, uh, Rich, that's what uh, uh, what the, the Bible was saying, what Paul was saying, the Lord uh, was the letter killeth, but the Spirit brings life. And basically what he was saying is you can't take everything literally by the letter because that's not going to bring life. It has to be mixed with the Spirit and the Word, and then you come up with the truth, revelation. Amen. Amen. The, letter, the letter alone killeth. Yes, well, what, what I'm getting out of this, Jim, is that the real battleground, call it Armageddon, call it whatever you want, the real battleground is between our, our ears, which is our yeah, mind, mm -hmm. which is part of our soul. I believe the Lord is saying to us, be of one mind, which is the mind of Christ. And Amen. I, in Isaiah 26, 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because, because he trusteth <laughs> in thee. Go ahead. No, no, that, uh, yeah, I mean, if you just meditate on that verse alone, it's going to keep you on the right path and keep you going in the right direction. Uh, how many times does the word admonish us, even Paul and Jesus, uh, you know, uh, Paul said, looking to those things above and not below. What's he talking about? He's talking about when you're looking above, you're going to be getting the spirit of revelation that's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. But if you keep your sight below, uh, no, uh, you're just going to be one of the Pharisees. You know, you're going to be living off the letter of the word. And the letter does not bring life. It's the, the letter with the spirit that brings life. Can I say this? If you feel like you're in a rut, if you feel like, if you're, de I'm not talking clinically, but if you're down, depressed, and, and you're operating in that continually, it's time for you to come up here where Jesus mm -hmm. is. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Because the king of God is peace, love, and joy, like the song said starting out. And, uh, and that was a mistake that I made too, Rich. Um, I was very discontented with a particular fellowship that I was in for some years. Um, but, you know, I was like, it was like the battered wife syndrome. <laughs> I just kept going back, <laughs> you know, because I felt that they were my husband. And even though they beat me up and they called me a sinner all the time, instead of a son of God, they were always calling me a sinner you know, every Sunday you had to get saved, you know, and it, it was it's like a battered wife syndrome. It's like if I didn't go back and get beat up, I might get lost that week. Um, and so there was no joy in that, quote, faith, okay, because there's only one faith. There's not 20,000 different faiths. Uh, so when I left there and went to a, into a higher realm of understanding, a lot of the peace and the love and the joy came back. But ultimately... God is leading you to a one-on-one -on -one unity in yes. your relationship with Him. Amen. Even Isaiah twenty-six three, or I'm sorry, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, "Love the Lord thy God with all their your heart, your soul, and your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself." That that's those are the only two things where he pretty he was pretty strong about. Mm -hmm. He said, these two commandments 
contain all the law. That if you do these two things, guess what? You don't have to worry about 600 and some laws that are out there. Right. So, yeah. so anyway, the scriptures talk about many different minds. You know, you'll read in the scriptures where it talks about a doubtful mind, a reprobate mind, a carnal mind, a fleshly mind, and, and there's more. We are only called, he made it so easy, we're only called to be of one mind, and that is the mind of Christ, which has already been given to you. You already possess it. First Peter 3 says, finally, <laughs> I love when it says finally, Jim, because that means there's been a bunch of stuff going before it. Finally, all of you be like-minded. United in spirit, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, courteous, and compassionate towards each other as members of one household, and humble in spirit, and never return evil for evil or insult for insult. Avoid scolding, berating, and any kind of abuse. But on the contrary, give a blessing. Pray for one another's well-being, contentment, and protection. For you have been called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing from God that brings well-being, happiness, and protection. I don't think he's saying that do all these things in order to get this blessing. I think he's saying that if you have that one mind, you will do all these things. And the bonus is, I'm going to bless you with well-being, happiness, and protection. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, yeah, there's one thing that uh, I wrote down years ago where it says, Grace is the divine influence that produces effortless change as you rest in me. He's called you to rest in him and not for you to change yourself. Hmm. That's, what, that's what grace will do. Mm -hmm. It's effortless change. Looking to him, his grace will change you. You cannot change yourself by all your positive thinking and your good works and the deeds that you do. It might make you feel good temporarily, uh, but that is not going to produce the nature of Christ in you. It's only going to come through the grace of God and the love of God. Amen. And, you know, maybe you th thought when I was reading this, you know, sh show this compassion toward each other as members of one household that you're thinking only those, those believers. You might be thinking that. I'm here to tell you that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we should look at all unbelievers as not yet believers. I think you have an expression for that too, Jim. But we are called to love all. We just said that J Jesus said there's two commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor, they said. Who isn't your neighbor? Everybody you've come in contact with, everybody that you have come in contact with the rest of your life. 
Yeah, I think I think one of the things that gave me great peace, Rich, like we discussed this morning prior to the radio show, was the Lord said, "I want you to start looking at all human, all humanity as pre-believers." Yes, uh, because when you look at them that way, you display a different spirit toward them. Um, I think one of the things that we've been guilty of, young Christians, carnal Christians, is they get this in their mind: "I'm blessed, but you're not." You know, you That's can see them. a guy. Yeah, and, and, and people can sense that when they get this self-righteous spirit, you know. Uh, but, you know, if you understand that they can be saved by the same grace that you were saved by. It wasn't by your works. It's by grace. And so I think if we start looking at everybody as a pre-believer, regardless of who they are, um, we just might find that people might start responding to you better because you'll be responding, you'll be treating them with love. It'll change, it'll, judgment yeah, it, Jim, it'll change your attitude of how you look at people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and maybe that, some of the judgmental stuff will fall off you, you know. We all yeah. deal with it, and we all don't want it. I don't want it. No, you got to be careful because the Lord says if you judge, then you will be judged. Right. And that a lot of times, a lot of times believers are walking around depressed because they don't realize because of their judgmental attitude, it's boomeranging back on them. Because mm-hmm. we know we're guilty of a lot of the same thing that unbelievers are. Amen. But we have been forgiven, praise God. Amen. Well, Jesus said that until we come under the unity of faith, the world won't totally believe. Mm-hmm. And how separated is the church? How divisive are some of the members and leadership of the church? We have to come to the unity of the faith and be one. And then, I'm telling you what, billions will come to the Lord. There's seven plus billion out there. Billions will come to the Lord when they start seeing all the backbiting and bickering and, oh, I don't believe this way, you believe that way, I believe this way, until all that goes away, we're never going to come to the unity of the faith. Yeah, Judah, or Jude, I believe it was the brother of Jesus, um, he was concerned. It was Jude is such a short book, but in there he says, I, I'm concerned because he says, I wonder if you have not strayed from the faith that was first handed down to us. So when he said the faith, basically what he was saying was there's only one faith. I know that when I talk to a lot of my brothers and sisters just in the different circles I travel in, I, you, you start talking to them and they'll say, well, I'm of the Baptist faith. Well, I'm of the Pentecostal faith. And I think to myself, well, I'm only of the faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know faith. about all this other denominationalism stuff, you know. But that's what Jude was trying to say. You know, you were handed down the faith of Jesus Christ, and I'm getting concerned that you're not walking with that faith. Amen. Amen. We have a huge responsibility to unite as one. We can't be looking at the things that separate us, like doctrines, beliefs, religions, the color of our skin. I mean, there's just such nonsense out there causing these divisions and these separations. We're all the family of God, and we need to start acting like it. 
Nobody's better than anybody else. We're all the same. It's just some are on a journey that's a little more advanced than others. But we're all coming the same way. It's just... And it's it's, it's just, all grace, too. It's all grace. And, and it's just a matter of, of how much of God do you want? How much of Jesus do you want formed in you? Well, if you do then guess what? There, there might be some sacrifices you have to make. You may have to turn the TV off and get quiet with the Lord. You may have to do this or that. But it's all good because it's all God. And you are blessed and highly favored of him. He loves you with an unconditional love. What does unconditional mean? We kind of throw that word out, unconditional. It means with no conditions. There is therefore now no condemnation to him who is in Christ Jesus. So we we just we just need to love and realize that if God can love us unconditionally, we are to love others unconditionally. Yeah, therefore, therefore being justified or just as if we hadn't committed any sins. Therefore, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And justified means just as if you've never sinned. It's the way the Lord looks at you when you're walking in the faith of Jesus Christ. So, and frankly, he did away with, with the law, you know. Uh, everybody was, was trying to come into God's good graces by their works, but if, if it's by works of the law, they stumble, Jesus said to the Jews. They stumbled at the stumbling stone, which was, well, God, we're going to be good boys today, you know, instead of saying we realize that you've paid the price for us. And I think there's a lot of religious, a lot of religion is into a lot of good works, you know, and there's nothing wrong with good works. Don't misunderstand me. As long as they're God works, you know, the Lord spoke it to you. There's a difference. There sure is. Jesus asked the Father, this was his prayer to the Father. Do you think for a minute that Jesus' prayer to the Father wouldn't be answered? <laughs> I'm telling you, Jesus only prayed what he heard the Father tell him to pray, right? Amen. So in John 17, 20, uh, this, this, is, this should be exciting for you because this is about you. Jesus said, and I asked not only for these disciples that were sitting in front of him, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. So, hello, all those, because you're included in that. Verse 21 says, I pray for them all to be joined together as one. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. So what keeps yeah. us, Jim, what keeps us from being one with the Lord as an individual and as a group? I feel it's confused. A lot of it, is, it relates to confusion that's going on in the church today. Double-mindedness and unbelief. I said earlier that the mind is the battleground. It's the spiritual Armageddon that's going on 
upstairs there. Our soul, which is our mind, intellect, will, and emotions, must submit to the spirit or the mind of Christ that resides in every one of us. Kingdom of God, we've said many, many, many times, the kingdom is within. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God has equipped us to fight these battles in our mind because the battle belongs to him. It's not even your battle. We can overcome in this fight. However, we must realize that it's a process. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep, keep the good fight of faith. Our part is to have the desire in our heart to allow him to change us. And he has already put that desire in us. The Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, it's his desire, and he's put it in you to grow into a mature Christian, to become mature, to be an overcomer, to fight the good fight. He's put that in each and every one listening to our voice today. Yeah, amen. That's that's good what you said, Rich. Uh, The Lord spoke to me a while back, too, and he said... uh, Show the people what they already possess mm. and not what they have to do to get it. Yeah, that's good. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what you're trying to do in this radio show is to show the church, show the brothers and the sisters what they already possess because of Calvary. When Jesus said it is finished, they need to meditate on that and dig into that a little bit. Because when they see it is finished, basically what he's saying is you're finished too in me. Yes. You know what it, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean Paul even even said that uh, you know be perfect as your heavenly father is in, is perfect and you're complete in him. I mean what are all those what are all those scriptures saying you're complete in him? What Jesus basically said let me work it in you and then it'll work out of you. Yes. But stop trying to work it in yourself. You cannot do it. You tried it for years and that's how you came to me. Because your life was in such shambles, in many cases, I'll speak for myself, but end of story. (laughs) Well, we've all been through it, for sure. (laughs) Some worse than others. Yes, yes. Um, (laughs) Just keep going, because I'll tell you, I've fallen many times, but God just keeps picking me up, praise God. I mean, whew. Well, in order for growth to come, you know, we have to have a desire to grow, We don't want to stand still. In order for growth to come, we must be open to change. That's a dirty word in some circles. The only one who doesn't need change and be conformed into the image of Jesus is Jesus himself. I think every single person out there can grow. And with growth comes change. It's a good thing. It's a really good thing. So let us identify some of the challenges we must face to have Jesus be formed in us in a greater way. The Lord is present to see us through any challenge we face. You may be going through a major challenge today.
it may seem insurmountable and, and you're just not getting any relief you, you have no peace you have no joy God wants to take that care from you today so right now give it to the Lord say Lord it's yours I don't want it anymore it may be a health scare it may be uh, something to do with your family your kids your spouse, whatever it is, give it to the Lord today. Amen. Amen. You know, if God can part a Red Sea for Moses, I'm sure what you're confronted with uh, probably isn't. It may seem like it's like a Red Sea, but, um, you know, the Lord gave me a little, do I have time to read a little poem? Yes, then we'll take a break. Okay. Um, it goes like this. Can you smell the bread that's cooking coming down from heaven above? You know, John six thirty one. it says that they were led by the bread from heaven. And Jesus came down from heaven, and he is the bread of life, okay? Amen. And in this poem, the Lord says, can you smell the bread that's cooking coming down from heaven above? It's always fresh and living because it's made with hands of love. And all we have to do to eat it is to reach out through faith and love. This bread is always available because it flows from God above. God never sleeps or slumbers, so it's always right on time. And when you eat enough of it, your life will become a poem to God, and things will always rhyme. So Jesus said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven, and the Lord is saying, eat that bread, okay, the bread of life which is inside of us. I I remember as a kid, my mom used to bake bread, and man, what a smell that is. That's a, just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful smell. You're listening to Kingdom Building, and if you would like any of the poems that you've heard Jim um, speak out, uh, they are available to you free of charge. We we don't make any money in this thing. We don't. That's not our goal. Our goal is to share. That's it. It's pure and simple. But if you would like any of his poems um, or you have any questions, you just want to get in contact with us, it's you can at kingdombuilding73 at gmail.com. Kingdombuilding73 at gmail.com. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit uh, about this word confusion, Jim, because I know for a fact that from an outsider looking in, there seems to be a lot of confusion in the body of Christ, in the church. I mean, when there's yeah. a church on every corner, and there's this one and that one, and and this believes this way, and that, that's confusion. And, um, you know, let's talk about confusion is just, the definition is it's just a lack of understanding. It's I mean, it's not bad unless you continue it. Confusion's not bad unless you continue to be confused. It says a lack of understanding. Well, let's get understanding here today. Let's get a little more understanding so that we can kind of get rid of some confusion that may be in our lives or in the body of Christ. Something It's also something that is unclear in one's mind. That's where confusion sets in. We are told so many things out there, and many times, instead of clarity, confusion sets in. 
So let's go to the original root of confusion. And uh, the word Babylon, you know, if you know your Bible, you know Babylon was a city. I think somewhere in Iraq, you know, modern day Iraq. But the word Babylon is in the Bible, um, I think it's like 897 times. I mean, it's there a lot. And it, Babylon refers to the natural, in the natural, it refers to the pl- a place where it was a very, very powerful city in 500 B.C., but also Babylon refers to a spiritual place, and that spiritual place is confusion. It's a spiritual place we don't want any part of. Um, you know, when you're talking about Babylon, Jim, um, in, in chapter 18 of Revelation, John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the Lord, writes, thank God he writes this, Babylon is falling. Praise God. In Revelation 18, 4, it says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, come out of Babylon, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and ye receive not of her plagues. Why is God imploring us to come out of Babylon? God is showing us a very sincere and emotional and determined way that he wants us to come out of Babylon. And just to give a little history, you know, back in 500 B.C., the Jewish people were held as slaves in Babylon. So guess what? They couldn't wait to get out of Babylon, and and that should be us today, spiritually speaking, Um, because the natural declares the things of the Spirit. That was a natural outward imprisonment. Now we have to avoid being imprisoned inwardly or spiritually. So spiritually speaking, what is Babylon? I'm going to give you a definition. Confusion or mixture. I said earlier that um, what keeps us from being one with the Lord and one with each other is confusion, double-mindedness, and unbelief. When we're talking about Babylon, we're talking about a mixture Jim, it's double-mindedness. It's outer confusion, sense confusion, in other words, the five senses, and mental confusion. It's a chaotic condition. There are times when we find ourselves in confusion of the sense consciousness, and its thoughts are so strong that they seem to have us in complete subjugation. Such cases symbolize captivity in Babylon. We don't want to be captive, held captive in Babylon like the Jews were in 500 B.C., Jim. No, because Christ set us free from all that. That's right. Uh, I remember, Rich, I shared this sometime back, a, a dream that I had when I first got saved. Um, and I had quite an experience at the hotel room. The Lord appeared to me, and uh, and He gave me a dream. And in the dream, uh, I was standing across the street, and I saw this whole line of buildings on the other side of the street in front of me. And 
they were all speaking to me. They were buildings, but they had eyes, and the door was their mouth. And they were all saying, come into me, I'm the truth and the way. And I was looking at all, and they were all clamoring. There was some small Pentecostal storefront churches. There was big Roman Catholic churches, you know, with the plush pile carpet. And all, and all the different denominations. And they were all saying, when I got saved, they were all saying, now you need to come into me because I've got the truth. And I stood there and I thought, oh my God, I wonder which one of them has the truth because they all vary in what they say. And a voice spoke behind me and said, I am the truth. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the Lord said, son, the truth is a person. It's not a building. It's not a doctrine. It's a person. I am the truth, the way, and the life. Look to me. Uh, so I just want to share that uh, because, you know, let's be honest about it. Like you said before, Rich, if they all were sharing the same truth, then all of us would be brothers. Yes. We'd all be picnicking together, you know. But, I mean, I belonged to a fellowship one time, and they literally told me that if you leave this fellowship, you're on your way to hell. I mean, literally, they told me that, which normally that's that's how a lot of these denominations keep you, by fear. Fear and control. Fear. Yeah, it is. So, you need Jesus. He's the truth. If you want the truth... It's a person. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So he's Amen. everything. He's all. Amen. All in all. Amen. So how do we kick out the Babylon that's in us? Boy, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? We first must know what we are dealing with and identify it. So let's discuss what it is and understand where we go from here. When man thinks that he can comprehend and contact God through a outward way or a just purely mental that God's out there somewhere and I'm going to contact him, trust me, confusion is always the outcome. It is only through the inner spirit of truth that he can come in that he can actually come in touch with and gain spiritual truth and perfection of poise, peace, power, which is the kingdom of heaven. And of course, we know that the kingdom of heaven is within. Yeah, amen. Um, poem right here says, uh, my church is starting to come out of mind over matter and coming into matter of fact understand and see i am your father who is true and only i can lead you through the struggles of this life it's trickery and strife i am your father who knows best and only i can lead you into my perfect place of rest rest from all your enemies and your vain imaginations i am your father who surely knows the way and i will lead you into my perfect day for i have never started anything i didn't complete and finish for it is finished so it if you want to come finished. out of Babylon, look to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's the that he is the key to the lock that keeps you imprisoned. Yeah, yeah. He will bring yeah. life and abundantly bring life to you, where you will not feel that you are imprisoned by whatever. 
I mean, he is our deliverer. He can deliver us from the bondages of whatever, whatever's holding you back. He has the power. I mean, all you have to do is read the scriptures, look at all the things that he did. And he says, and greater things you shall do. I haven't seen much greater, but I believe it's coming if, if it's the same. If he said, and the same things you will do. Let's start believing that not only will it be the same things he did, but it will be greater things that than what he did. Yeah, I think like we were talking before, Rich, I, I think that most of our brothers and sisters, at least many of them that I have talked to over the decades, uh, they feel like um, once they've gotten saved, they've, ex- they've escaped hell and they're on their way to heaven. Uh, and But they don't see a whole lot in between salvation and dying and going to heaven. But that's really when your journey starts is when you get saved. That's when that's when uh, you, God starts forming the Christ nature in you. You know, like the Apostle Paul said, I'm concerned and I keep praying for you guys uh, until I see the nature of Christ being formed in you. Uh, I don't think that the church realizes that there's such a whole lot of work that God wants to do in us. Um, and and basically, it's, it's to follow through with his plan from Genesis where he says, I'm going to make them in my image and in my likeness. Uh, we don't have to wait to die to go to heaven. Uh, but when we get saved, we just entered into the kingdom of God because Jesus is very clear that the kingdom of God does not come with signs of outward observation, but that the kingdom of God is within you. And the church is going to have to start waking up to the fact that Jesus Christ is in them. Um, and he's trying to do a great work inside of us. And the greater the work you allow him to do, the greater peace and assurance and rest and love you're going to come into because he wants you to come into a day of rest in him. Speaking of this coming out of Babylon uh, that we were talking about earlier, I mean, let's face it, there are a lot of people saying a lot of things about Jesus that, can be very confusing to not only the babes in Christ, but even to those that have been walking with the Lord for years. That's good, Rich. I mean, all we're saying is that the first thing that we should be telling folks is that Jesus is within, not out there somewhere else. And we've said it before, Jim, that... Christ in you, the hope of glory, is that mystery that Paul spoke about that had been hidden for the ages, but it's now available for everybody to understand and to experience him within. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. Because it's, uh, you know, one of the things in the poem, one line in one of the poems that the Lord gave me was, uh, uh, we live and move and have our being in him. But I would say now, I want to live and move and have my being in you, because the scripture says, for it is God in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God in you to do of his will and his good pleasure. Um, So, you know, so far, many of us have used God to help us to pay the bills, to heal our bodies, to mend our relationships, and so on and so forth. But he says, that's all good. I want to do that. But 
first, I want to I want to live and move and have my being in you instead of you just have your being in me. Yes. Uh, so, and frankly, when you come to that place in your walk where you say, Lord, all I want is more of you, that's when the exciting stuff really starts happening, doesn't it, Rich? It's Amen. when all the revelation starts coming and, and the fears start going away because the three greatest enemies of the world, the flesh, and the and the devil. Uh, and, the, and the reason you have to be careful about the devil is because he appears as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. He's not going to send you back to a house of prostitution after you've been saved. He knows you're too smart to do that. He knows that, that, that we know that that's very displeasing to the Lord if we go back to hanging out in bars and chasing women. So how does the enemy now deceive us? He appears as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spooky thought. Spooky it, thought. It really is. Yeah, you know, Jim, some, I, I believe some people, confusion will arise when they, because they've been told, they believe that Jesus is carrying around a clipboard, writing down all the bad thoughts you had, all the bad things you did. And, you know, we have to realize that if the, if the scriptures are true, which I believe they are, Jesus, even John the Baptist, before Jesus even started his earthly ministry, said, the Lamb of God is coming to take away the sins of the world. So he's not carrying a clipboard, writing down every bad thing or thought you ever have. Um, you know, we have a free gift that, that should be received by all believers, and that is a gift of righteousness and sanctification. But he is more interested in a relationship and not your performance. It is not, it's not a work-based righteousness. Some people think it's a work-based righteousness, Jim. They think, you ask them, you know, where are you going to go if you die right now? Well, I, I, I think I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, well, why do you say that? Because I'm a pretty nice person. Yeah, you hear that a lot. <laughs> you hear that a lot. And it's not a work-based righteousness. If it is, then you totally went against what Jesus has done for you. It is a faith-based righteousness. Not a work-based, it's a faith-based that in of itself can bring about confusion, Jim. There's all these people that think that God is making an account, and someday he's going to lay you out, brother. There's going to be a judgment day, and he's going to tell you every bad thing you did. Well, wow. And I'm telling you, Jim, probably 90% of the Christians believe that. They call it it the white throne judgment, and the white throne judgment, it's white. It's not black, or it's not dark. It's light. White means light in the Bible. It's a light. Th- it's basically saying, look, Jesus took all that garbage, and you have been pronounced not guilty. Yeah, it says, uh, for every man of that day shall receive his due commendation. It doesn't say his due condemnation. Hmm. It says good. his due common commendation. Um, 
your acceptance in God is not based on anything that you can do. It's based on what Jesus has already done Amen. for you. And, um, boy, that's a, that's a big hurdle to get over. And, you know, Rich, I'm glad you went this direction because I think it's so critical in a believer's relationship with Christ to really see what the Father's like. And I believe that one of the greatest reasons, if not the greatest reason, that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, came to this earth and walked amongst men and let us see his nature you know when you see me you see the father and the the main purpose jesus came to this earth was to reveal the love of the father and not condemnation you know like you start out saying before rich you know he didn't condemn the prostitute that they were going to stone to death. He didn't condemn the lady at the well nope. for having five husbands and all this was revealing the nature of the eternal father in the heavenlies that controls all things. So when you come at me with, oh, he's a wrathful God, boy, you better, he's got that sword up there and he's got his little notebook. I say, get behind me, Satan. Yes. <laughs> get behind yes. me. Yes. I, you know, Jesus is my father. Amen. Yeah. I mean, if and Isaiah not... prophesied that he was the father. Isaiah prophesied he would be counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Yes. Jesus. Jesus. So there you are. You know, if he if he didn't condemn the woman in, at the well for having multiple husbands, and he didn't condemn the woman caught in adultery, then do you think he's going to bring it up? You know, on a judgment, so-called judgment day, and say, "Well, you remember back when you you had uh, you were a prostitute and you were laying with different men?" And no, no, absolutely. You know, we have to get away from that kind of judgment. That's condemnation. Oh he is a righteous judge. He's already said you are not guilty. If, if, you, if you don't believe me, read John 3, 17 and 18. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but by yeah. him that it would be saved. And if you're yeah. in Christ, I you are not condemned. There's no condemnation. And the Father said, I've given all judgment unto the Son. And then the Son walks the earth and he says, I didn't come to judge, but to seek and to save them which were lost. So he's telling you, I'm not here to judge you. And even to this hour, God is not here to judge us. We were judged at Calvary 2,000 yeah. years ago. He paid the price. When he looked at that man that pierced his side and he said, Father, forgive him. He knows not what he's doing. He literally was saying that to the whole world. We inherited a nature. You know, it's just like if a mother's got AIDS and she gives it to her baby. Uh, you know, the baby had nothing to do with contacting that AIDS. It was just like our father Abraham. We contacted that sinful nature from abraham and jesus said father forgive them they know not what they do yeah He's and if you need more proof paul wrote now we're talking paul who wrote two-thirds of the new testament who <laughs> you read the you read what paul wrote and you and you see what paul did you're not going to be as critical on yourself because paul wrote the, the things I want to do, I don't do sometimes. And the things I do want to do, what did I say that right? <laughs> the things yeah, I don't want to do, I do. The things I do yeah. want to do, I don't. 
you know, and the, my point is this, and I think that this was Paul's point. Grace does not give us a license to go crazy and live like hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grace yeah. acknowledges that we have been delivered from the spirit of the law of sin and death. That's a powerful statement right there. Grace acknowledges that we have been delivered from the spirit of the law of sin and death. Read it in (laughs) Romans 8. It is nothing that we did to earn it or work for it. It is all about what Jesus did for us. He said on the cross, like Jim said earlier, it is finished. He did it all. We can't take credit for anything good. And we also can't sit there and, and condemn ourselves because we messed up. God yeah. created us. He knew every mm-hmm. single thing you were going to do or say or think before you were even formed in your mother's womb. That's how big God is. The question we have to ask ourselves now as we wind this thing down Are we willing to lay aside some of our religious beliefs, traditions, and doctrines if it gets us closer to the Lord, if we we can see that Christ is being formed in us more by, you know, taking some of the things? You know, my answer is yes, and I... And the only one this doesn't apply to is someone who possesses all the truth, and we know no one does. If you believe exactly the same as you believed 10, 20, 30 years ago, then you are standing still. God's bigger than that. And not moving on with the Lord. You're not moving on. He has so much for us today. He has an exciting journey awaiting you if you would only get on board that glory train with him. I mean, doesn't that sound better than stale old religion? Aren't we getting tired of the same old, same old? Let's reach out for something more exciting, more energized, and more fun. Yeah, Rich, I agree. It's, you know, what you're talking about is uh, the Old Testament kind of puts it this way. Eat the manna the same day you get it. Don't try and eat the same old manna or the same truths that you got yesterday and last year or the ones your father handed down to you 20 years ago because a lot of times the manna will rot, okay? And so you've got to eat fresh bread from heaven every day what happens and the if only you, way you get you know, good what happens if you put new wine in old wine skins yeah yeah you lose the new wine <laughs> just breaks yeah yeah go ahead and finish your thought oh that's okay i was i was i was pretty much done okay i'm gonna uh, give a i'm gonna give a scripture and then you jump in and finish this off okay sure second corinthians 2 so So no wonder why we don't give up. After hearing all this, hopefully you're encouraged. Hopefully you're excited. And hopefully, most of of all, that you don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, 
Our inner being is renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. All this out here, it's temporary. The unseen realm is eternal. It's forever. Go ahead, Jim. Finish this off. I got a prayer, actually, a poetic prayer that the Lord gave me some time back. And it goes like this. Um, Lord, give me the grace and the strength to press into what you say so I can come up in your presence and see this new day. I know you are willing for me to see you face to face. I know this because I feel your loving embrace. So continue to call me and encourage me on, because I am seeing this new day now beginning to dawn. Mm. Beautiful. Well, I know I speak for Jim. We love you. We, we really do appreciate you, and we, we thank God for your hunger or you wouldn't be listening to this. Um, yeah. And we we thank you for your support also. If you want to ever get in touch with us, you want any of Jim's poems, uh, you can call. You can uh, reach us at kingdombuilding73 at gmail.com. Um, my name's Rich, that's Jim, and we look forward to spending time with you here in the near future. <laughs>